Welcome to Rise, Healing from Childhood Sexual Abuse Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Heil, registered psychologist and DBT certified clinician. I am also a childhood sexual abuse survivor. In this podcast, I will offer information about childhood sexual abuse in order to provide you with knowledge on this difficult topic, as well as provide you with strategies and tips that you can access now in order to begin moving from surviving to thriving. Hey, everybody. Nice to have you back. Today's episode is going to be the last one that I'll do on this topic that I've been on for the last few episodes, which has been on different treatments, psychotherapy treatments that look to try to relieve some of the symptoms that happen because of childhood sexual abuse. I am going to talk with uh, about a couple different therapies today that I do have some training in. So again, it's the ones that I'm more aware of just because I actually use these types of therapies. And then I'll finish off the episode by just making, we'll call it an honorable mention about different therapies beyond the ones that I'm going to be speaking about, just to make sure that I'm putting names on some of the other ones that are out there so that you can do your own research into them if that's something that you're interested in doing. Today, though, I'm going to finish off by talking about two different therapies. One is cognitive processing therapy, and the other one is internal family systems therapy. So let's go cognitive processing therapy to start. This is another therapy that's used to treat PTSD. It is empirically supported for PTSD, which if you remember back on previous episodes, we talked about empirically supported treatments, meaning that there's just a lot of research that has been able to prove the effectiveness of the therapy. Cognitive processing therapy is a form of cognitive therapy. It examines how thoughts and beliefs as well as patterns of avoidance, maintain the symptoms of PTSD. So you're going to see how this episode is going to connect to what I've talked about in previous episodes, specifically here, when you think back on the episode that I did on exposure therapy, you're going to see some similarity here. So there's overlap between exposure therapy and cognitive processing therapy, because cognitive processing therapy actually uses elements of exposure in the treatment. So cognitive processing therapy really wants you to examine how you might be avoiding things that create a trauma trigger and recognizing that that avoidance actually leads to maintaining some of those trauma symptoms. Um, And then the other part that it really does very well is it really is, it's very much a cognitive therapy. It's about exploring how your thoughts are maintaining the trauma symptoms that you're experiencing. Cognitive processing therapy teaches about something that they call stuck points, which would be on looking at these types of beliefs that we hold on to, uh, that really, it's exactly as it sounds, we get stuck on them. And that stuckness makes us experience more symptoms than we otherwise would if we were able to get unstuck. The goal in cognitive processing therapy is to be able to move towards more effective thinking, where if we can think in a different direction, it helps us loosen some of those trauma beliefs and therefore some of our symptoms will start to resolve and our distress will come down. This form of therapy is really great for anyone whose core symptoms are thought related. So no shocker there, you think about what the name is of the therapy, cognitive processing therapy. It really is about looking at those thoughts. My experience with this is that 
for people whose symptoms are more emotional related, like they, they can logically see through some of their assumptions and interpretations. They understand that maybe some of their beliefs they have based on the trauma are not necessarily effective, but they still get stuck in the emotions. For those people, I find that sometimes using some of those other forms of trauma treatment that we've spoken about earlier, such as EMDR, can be more effective. But for people who really are very stuck with their thoughts, this is a wonderful therapy. This therapy is very homework heavy. There is homework that is expected to be completed after every session. And for some people that works really well because it helps them feel like they're engaged in their therapy. They're frequently thinking about the therapy. So there's lots of progress that can happen in a short period of time. For other people, doing homework might be a downside because they might not have the time to complete homework or they might find that the homework is just, just something that their brains aren't very effective at doing. Uh, so pros and cons for each person. The nice thing, the really nice thing about CPT, cognitive processing therapy, is that it is time limited. It is a, it's supposed to be a 12-session protocol. And the fact that it is empirically supported, what that means is that the vast majority of people who go through CPT are able to have this recovery of their PTSD symptoms in just 12 sessions. Like that's pretty neat. That's a pretty short period of time considering all the distress that people are going through. So that is cognitive processing therapy. Then internal family systems therapy is the next one I want to talk about. This is an evidence-based treatment for PTSD as well as CPTSD, so that cog, uh, the complex PTSD that we've talked about in previous sessions. And this, I love this therapy. I think it's just, it's so neat and it's so insightful. So I get really excited about uh, talking about this one because it's just, yeah, it's super cool. So it's based on theories related to family systems therapy. So family systems therapy is a, is a therapy that works on the, the family, and it postulates that within families, each member plays a role in maintaining the current function of the family, okay? So that means that everybody is, like, yeah, just playing these different roles. They might be, like, sometimes in a family, there could be somebody who is uh, the, like, the task manager, and there's another person who sometimes plays maybe the a bit of the bully in the family. And there might be another person who might be like the critical person in the family or the skeptical person, right? So we all kind of play these roles within a family. And those roles serve to maintain the, um, the status that the family is in in any given moment, like the, uh, the interpersonal status, the, the way that they act within the family to one another. So coming back to internal family systems therapy... Internal family systems therapy believes that inside of all of us, we have these parts of us that function like a family. Okay, and so whether it's family systems or internal family systems, the idea is that to create positive change in one person, the whole family has to change their behavior. Okay, so if we were to do family systems therapy, family work, if somebody was really struggling within the family, then the theory would be that we need the whole family to change in order for this one person to change. And then internal family systems therapy is looking at us having these parts that function like a family and that we need to change a part of us in order to change the other parts. So a little confusing there, but it's, it's going to make a bit more sense as I go along. 
So all parts play a role within our internal system. And internal family systems therapy, or IFS for short, IFS assumes that all parts are benign. They want what's best for us at our core. So all the parts are functioning to try to help us as our core self, or as IFS will call it, our self-energy. It wants what's best for us. IFS says that parts fall into three categories. There's the exiles, which are like the wounded parts of us. They're wounded because of past adverse events. In other therapies, sometimes this is referred to as the inner child or like the wounded child. It's um, the part of us that's really hurting because of the things that have happened in the past. So for us who have gone through childhood sexual abuse, the exile would be the young person who was abused, right? That would be a part of us that is still hurting inside. Another category of parts in IFS would be managers. These serve to protect the exiles from feeling the pain of the wounds, right? So they're trying desperately to keep those, call it the inner children, from feeling the pain. And they can do that through a lot of different behaviors. Sometimes we have managers that look like people-pleasing parts. They, these would be considered managers because it's like, if I just please everybody, if I do everything I can to keep everybody happy, then nobody's going to be mad at me and nobody's going to cause me any pain, right? So that's why it's considered a manager. It's trying its best to keep us from feeling pain. It's managing everything around us so that the inner child or the exile doesn't have to feel that pain. Managers can also look like dissociated parts. Dissociation is that experience where we kind of leave our body, we lose track of time. It's that survival strategy that can occur when trauma has happened. It keeps us from having to be fully present with the trauma. And then our body learns how to continue to be dissociated after the trauma is done, just because it's, um, it's, it's essentially gotten used to having this survival mechanism as one of its behaviors. So dissociated parts are considered managers because it's showing up to keep us from feeling the pain. It's separating us from feeling pain. Another manager that's really common would be like a critical part, where it's the part of us that judges ourselves, that calls ourselves names, that tries to, uh, it's just very, it it criticizes a lot. It's it's just a very critical part towards us. And as much as I know it doesn't feel like that part serves any purpose to us, if you really think about it, when we're critical towards ourselves, generally that's because we have this thought such as, if I'm the hardest one on me, it means that I'm going to make sure that everything is done right so nobody else has anything to criticize. Or it could be like, if I find the flaws in me, then if other people point out the flaws, it won't hurt so much because I already know about them. Right? So coming back to that assumption, all parts are benign, they want what's best for us, that critical part is trying to do something to help us, it just doesn't really know an effective way of going about that. It's still trying to stop us from feeling pain, it just doesn't really know how to do this effectively. So the idea behind managers is like, if I act in a certain way, it's going to keep these exiles from feeling pain, it's going to keep me from feeling pain. And then the last category in IFS would be firefighter parts. Firefighters are the parts that show up when that exile or the inner child is feeling pain. And firefighters will show up to do whatever it takes to stop the pain. 
the whole system is worried that the pain is going to overwhelm us, right? It, it doesn't know that we can actually handle the pain. And so firefighters come in to try to save the day. They're going to do anything they can to stop us from feeling pain. These can include our addiction parts. Right? So somebody who maybe will be feeling pain and then they're like, nope. And they just open up that bottle of wine and drink the whole thing because it's going to dull the pain. That would be a firefighter. Or we might have things like suicidal parts or self-harming parts where it's the idea that I want to do anything to take the pain away. So suicidal parts, oftentimes it's like I, if I use suicide as an escape, then I don't have to deal with the pain. That's often a thought that comes along with suicide. And then with self-harming parts, it would be that if I create this physical pain, then it takes away from the emotional pain. Okay, So it's all about trying to reduce the pain. So a thought that would be really common or a belief with the firefighters would be like, I can't stand the pain, so I'm going to do anything I can to stop it. Those are our firefighting parts. The goal in internal family systems therapy is to get all parts to begin working in harmony so that we can start to regain trust for the self. The thought is that we've the, the parts within us have lost trust for our self, for the, um, the, the self energy inside of us when the wounds occurred because we weren't able to do something to prevent the pain from happening our self didn't show up for our parts so we're really trying to work towards the self taking control again the self being kind of like the parent of the system and helping the parts all feel like hey i've got this i've got us all we're gonna be okay i can lead us in the right direction so that's our goal is get everybody in harmony and everybody working towards uh, just being in support of the self and the self being able to uh, handle anything that is thrown at it. So the pros of this particular therapy, it's really insightful. You're going to learn a lot about yourself. It's really quite fascinating once you delve into it. It's less homework heavy than something like cognitive processing therapy. And my experience is that you're better able to change that emotional experiencing that you'll, you'll, this therapy really gets at that part of us that really struggles with feeling certain adverse emotions, despite sometimes knowing that those emotions might not quite like make sense. So it's like that thing of like, yeah, yeah, I know that I maybe I didn't cause my trauma to occur, but I still feel like I did. That's the type of thing that really shows up quite often in therapy is, is there's a disconnect between thought and emotion. And I do find that internal family systems therapy does a good job of trying to help with that misalignment. Uh, the con of, or cons, I guess, of this therapy is that people generally have to be pretty psychologically minded. It is an insight type therapy. So you really need to have a good sense of your emotions and your inner mind in order to really be able to process this effectively. And also, there's not a lot of therapists that are trained in IFS compared to other models. So it can be really hard to find a therapist. Okay, cool. So that's cognitive processing therapy and internal family systems therapy. Both of them are phenomenal choices when it comes to treating the symptoms related to having some sort of adverse experience in our past. And then I had said at the beginning of the podcast, I'll give a couple notable mentions of different therapies that you could consider. I'm going to list them, but I'm not going to speak to them because I'm not trained in these particular therapies. And so I just I don't want to say something that may not necessarily be uh, true about the therapy. I'll leave it to you to be able to do your own research. 
So other trauma treatments that are out there include somatic experiencing. There's also accelerated resolution therapy or ART. There's brain spotting. There's natural processing. And there's sensory motor therapy. And I will put those into the show notes so that you're able just to look those up if you were wanting to, um, to write them down for yourselves. Okay, and then I think to finish off this episode, I just want to talk about maybe on a broader level, these different therapies and kind of like what, what, what's, what are some of the commonalities between them all? When it comes to trauma treatment, we have a couple phrases we use. We talk about top-down approaches and bottom-up approaches in therapy. And the most effective treatments generally include a blend of both, top-down and bottom-up. Top-down approaches means that we're working on changing thinking in order to change the way you feel. It's really working with that frontal lobe of the brain and especially the prefrontal cortex, which is where we have our, it's a reasoning part of the brain. It's the part that thinks it can problem solve. It is able to resist impulses. So therapies that work on that part of the brain really help us to change the way we think and just help us get a little bit better at being able to um, make things like decisions that are effective and um, resist those urges that can, can come up with big emotions. So that type of therapy, it is really, really important to do some of that work so that we're able to have more effective thinking patterns. And then the other type of approach is called bottom-up approaches. And I would say this is just as important. They're both really, really important in order to be able to get relief from symptoms. Bottom-up approaches change the physiology in the body in order to change the brain. Okay, so this this type of therapy would be about understanding our body sensations and how the nervous system works and learning on how to regulate the body through things like physical skills like breathing and rhythm, etc. And helping the body to learn how to feel safe, learn how to regulate our emotions through the body. And when we do all of that, then the rest of the brain is better able to work on changing things like our thoughts because the body has calmed down. Okay, so bottom up means we're really working on the body first in order to change the top of the brain, right? Change the frontal cortex. And bottom up is we're working on changing thinking first so that it will impact the body to start to feel more regulated. Both are very, very, very important. And I think that takes us to the end of the episode. Um, Yeah, so as always, just thank you so much for listening. And I am looking forward to talking to you next episode about some other topics. I'm going to start to get into um, just some things that I, my own experiences in terms of symptoms that I had observed had cropped up for me over the years and start talking about just some of the ways that I dealt with that or how I would deal with it uh, with people in my practice who I see who experience the same type of symptoms Um, So yeah, going to be moving on to kind of different topics from just these therapy topics now. Um, If there's anything that you have questions about, or you'd like to know more about, you're always welcome to shoot me an email because I'd be happy just to to hear from you and get some feedback on uh, what it is that you, um, what's your experience been like on this podcast and, and what other topics you might be interested in learning more about. So if any of you feel like you want to reach out, you're welcome to. My email is jheil at innersolutions.ca. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.
Thanks so much for listening. If you found today's episode helpful, please go ahead and leave me a review. And you can also follow the show so that you don't miss out on any future episodes. For more information about me, you can check out my website, www.innersolutions.ca.